to the Simply 127 podcast, an entire podcast devoted to all things James 127. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Fintress, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. Hey guys, today's Simply 127 podcast guest is my dear friend, Sloan Dozier. We have been friends for over half of our lives now, and I think you're just going to love this conversation. She is the real deal. She's transparent. She's not afraid to say hard things, and I really think you're just going to love our conversation. We also potentially open up different cans of worms that could be future podcast episodes. (laughs) I would love to hear some feedback if there's anything that you would like more information on or you'd like to hear more from Sloan. um, You can just let me know about that and we'll see if we can work something out. So um, I really enjoyed this conversation. I know you're going to receive a blessing by listening to it and hope that you guys enjoy. Hey, my name is Sloan Dozier and I live in Greenville, South Carolina and I'm 35 years old and I'm married to Dustin Dozier who is the campus pastor at Upstate Church Five Forks and we have three boys and they're 10, 9, and 8 and we fostered and adopted them when they were little. Um, One was baby baby but yes, so we have three boys that are stair step back to back. Thanks for coming on board, even though you're a little nervous about this little adventure. I am. We usually don't talk with a microphone in our faces (laughs) to each other. That is very true. Although I told her sometimes I might hide microphones during (laughs) some of our conversations. Um, Anyway, Sloan and her husband, Dustin, have been friends for a long time. I think we figured out this morning we've known each other for 18 years, even though both of us are only 20 years old. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Um, And we just wanted to have a conversation about adoption, foster care. Sloan is a justice warrior. So I'm going to ask her a couple of questions um, just to encourage families who might be considering foster care adoption or might be in the trenches there. So thanks so much for joining us today, Sloan. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. So first, I just want to for you to tell our listeners how God first stirred your heart for the vulnerable, for orphans as far back as you need to go succinctly. (laughs) I think that even as a young girl, my heart has always kind of been for quote unquote, the underdog. And that's looked different in different stages of life. But as I got older, I think it, you know, significantly went to foster and adoption world and for foster care kids. But I would say as I got older, I think my travels um, on mission trips, particularly to Haiti and to Romania and um, to Jamaica, even though people wouldn't think Jamaica is a mission trip. I think God used those times and those travels to see how majority of the country lives and how people are in poverty and how poverty has affected um, families. And, um, you know, just looking at kids who are wandering the streets who didn't really have a family Uh, that they belong to, that they went home to. And so God just really used those times in my travels to kind of stir into me. There are a lot of kids who need some families. And then 
like just miraculously, he moved it to foster care in the United States because it wasn't always. I originally thought it was going to be international. Dustin and I were going to adopt from Haiti, mm -hmm. and the boys just landed in our lap, you know, domestically. Yeah, and can you talk a little bit about that transition? Because I think you'd already started the process to adopt internationally or just were beginning. So Dustin and I, um, we always knew that we were going to adopt one day. And um, I kind of had it as we were just going to adopt, never really knew the timeline. Dustin probably thought in his mind that we were going to have biological kids then we would adopt one day. And so that's not really how it turned out. And probably that's another podcast of how it landed. But we began to start, we were starting the adoption process for Haiti and then quickly realized, oh, we didn't meet the requirements for Haiti. We had not been married long enough. Um, I can't remember what else it was, but there were several requirements that we did not meet for Haiti. And so we were like, okay, Lord, you've really put Haiti distinctly on my heart, on our minds, and now we're at a standstill. And so the Haiti earthquake happened in 2000. What year was that? I think it was 2011. No. Maybe Seven. 2000, I can't remember the exact year, but the Haiti earthquake happened and there's a ministry, Safe Families, who needed um, people, Safe Families was in Atlanta, we lived in Atlanta at the time, and they needed people to be host homes for kids who had been displaced through the earthquake. And so while we were pursuing adoption um, through Haiti, we were like, okay, maybe it's domestically. So then we went on through a domestic place covenant care and Macon, but then the Haiti earthquake happened and they're like, Hey, we need families to host. Can y'all, a friend of mine, my college roommate, Heidi was like, Hey, I know that you love Haiti and you love orphans and they need some people. So could you host? And I was like, well, we're in the middle of adopting domestically, um, through covenant care and Macon. So I don't know. And they said, yeah, y'all can host cause your adoption process may take forever. Who knows? So we started hosting with Safe Families, but then the kids from Haiti never came for various circumstances. And so then we ended up hosting. They said, we don't have a kid from Haiti, but we have this little boy um, who needs a home for five weeks. Could you be at home for five weeks? And then we've already had a, a lady that's talked a little bit about Safe Families, but can you just talk about what Safe Families does and maybe how people learn more about them. I can put the website in the show notes. but So Save Families for us was through Bethany Christian Services, and they are temporary or temporary placement for children whose parents are willingly seeking help who are in the middle of a crisis. And so instead of their kids having to go to foster care, these parents are saying, hey, we need some help. And can you help take care of our children while we seek help? And so it's a really neat ministry. Um, it mimics foster care, but it's vastly different because the hope is that these parents have help and then they get back up on their feet and then their kids can return home. So families get to stay intact. And so that's what Safe Families is. Um, our boys were in Safe Families, but you know, through that time, it was determined that they needed to move out of Safe Families into foster care. So that's really how our whole story began. We were a Safe Family for five weeks with one, our oldest. Hoping for 
a Haitian refugee. Yeah. And <laughs> but that's God had not, different plans. He did. And that's kind of always how God works. And <laughs> so um, we did. We were a safe family for five weeks. But at the end of that, it was determined that they needed to move into the foster care system. And mm-hmm. they, meaning our two older boys at the time. Our youngest was not born yet. Okay, I'm going to backtrack just a little to some of your mission trips growing up. Obviously, I'm a big advocate for short-term missions, and that's kind of a controversial um, topic in my world. So I know you kind of in general share, but is there something from short-term missions, like a specific story or anything that you could just encourage people where, like I always say, kind of God gets your undivided attention when you're obedient to short-term missions and seeing poverty for the first time, like all kind of the things that 127 is built on. Was there anything from your experience personally where actually going um, contributed to God stirring your heart? Any like any more specifically, I guess, than yeah. what you mentioned. I'm a fan of short-term mission trips. And I think that they allow us to see the majority of how the majority of the world and how they live. And I think particularly for us in America, we um, we think the majority of the world lives like us, and that's not true. So, but I'm also a big fan of short-term mission trips that are partnering with the local people there and not just sending in a team and just dumping vacation Bible school supplies and playing with kids for a week. While that is great, I think it, when you're partnering with the locals, and so I have fortunately been able to take mission trips where that's exactly like what 127 is doing where you're partnering with the locals and so I think because I got to see how people were living and I got to see that there is this need like God opened up my eyes to say there's a need and it ended up being that the need was also here in America as well right in my back door but he opened my eyes up through that and to see there are vulnerable children who need help yeah I think there's some future episodes coming about short-term missions done well and how to do things with excellence. So we'll just put a little plug in for that. Um, Okay, so we're back to almost present day. You you have the kids. Can you do the from foster care to adoption, um, how your life looks differently than what you anticipated? (laughs) Yeah. So when they made the transition from safe families into foster care, I'm going to probably make a lot of people sad (laughs) and jealous, but um, this podcast is too short to share all the details, but we basically um, got the boys truly by the Holy Spirit moving mountains and getting them in our home. And this is where I'm going to make people sad because we were impact trained on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) A lady from DSS came to our house and trained me and Dustin in like four hours. Emergency foster care. Emergency foster care training where most people have to go like 13 weeks. (laughs) And so we did. But most people don't go from zero to three kids in nine months. (laughs) And, And that's what we did. So there's the silver lining for us. But so we were trained. And at the time when we just had our oldest, um, another family from Safe Families had our middle. And um, so when they went into foster care, we got to get both of them. And so they came and lived with us. And how old were they when they both came together? 15 months. And then um, our middle was 10 weeks. And so he was 10 weeks old and a 15-month-old. And so we immediately transitioned from a safe family to a foster care family. Lots of 
crazy appointments. Like now we were going to the courthouse and meeting with judges and caseworkers and all other kind of strangers and um, therapies, therapies, like lots and lots of therapies and lots of people that I didn't know in different places. <laughs> but we um, fostered. And then I think when our middle T was five months old, we found out that their birth mom was pregnant with our third. And um, I think it was just a whirlwind. Like foster care is a whirlwind, is a roller coaster. Um, but realizing, oh my word, we're going to have three. And funny is we thought that our youngest was going to be a girl. And like up until maybe a month or two before he's born, we found out he was going to be a boy. <laughs> so I think I was panicking three boys. Oh, my word. But we did. We ended up fostering for two years. I think by the time, and that's probably another part that makes our story was a little bit quicker. But by the time we fostered and adopted, it had been a two-year journey. And what's the age span between all three? So our oldest and our middle, they're 14 months apart. And then our middle and our youngest are 11 months apart, which I didn't even know that you could have kids 11 months apart, but you can. And so we got lots of looks, lots of stares, lots of advice on birth control and unnecessary advice. <laughs> so, I really hope that you're loving this conversation that Sloan and I are having about foster care and adoption and just how God takes us on different paths than what we expect. Um, we're going to shift gears a little bit during the second half of this conversation to talk more about fostering and adopting within a community of believers. Um, the village of believers, I think, is the terminology that she uses of how we as a church can surround families who are fostering and adopting and really give them a place of support and to walk alongside of them as they take steps of obedience to do what God's called them to do. And also she just gives some great advice for people who are just beginning their journey or who are maybe contemplating taking these first steps. So I hope that you'll be challenged as you continue to listen to ways that we as a church can surround families who are fostering and adopting and walk alongside of them in their journey. Um, that was actually leads into the next question. Well, of what are some things that you've learned along the way, or you couldn't pick maybe just a few funny things that people have said of like, maybe a word to the, of wisdom to people, um, from both sides who see a situation like yours in the grocery store, or who are living a situation like yours. Um, what, what do you wish people knew? Well, I think like on a serious note, I wish that people knew we have so many friends, well-intentioned friends or people that we know and who I think the number one thing that foster parents here or adoptive parents here is I could never, particularly foster care, is I could never give them back. You know, and that's why we we don't sign up for to be that because there is the risk. There's the chance that you're going to have to, um, you know, surrender the children back. And honestly, the number one goal for foster care is reunification of families. And that really is what you want to be a champion of. You know, like you are just a tool in hopes of reunification. And if that's not going to be it, which wasn't our story, reunification, then you become a champion for your children to be a home, but I do wish that people knew that God, He truly, truly, genuinely supplies all your needs. And 
I, my heart would be ripped open, yes, if our children, and there was, it was kind of like iffy at the end. Like, I think, you know, we've had them and now all of a sudden it moved quickly and they possibly were going to go back. And I remember thinking, I'm very overwhelmed and my heart's going to explode. And, but God does supply, like he is true to his word. He is faithful. And um, so I do wish that people would know you're right. Like we can't do it on our own flesh, but he's going to supply the need. And he cares more deeply for those children than Dustin or I or any other foster or adoptive family could. Mm -hmm. So I do wish people truly believed that and knew that. Let's, let's stay serious. Cause I was kind of joking, which we can maybe do some of that in a little bit. But what about the families who aren't the ones who are fostering, adopting? What are some things that you wish they knew of ways they could help or how they could still be a part of the process? So one of the biggest things that I always tell people is um, the church is so key to fostering and adopting. And, you know, like there's two angles of that. Like it, it really foster care is the church's problem. It's not the state's problem. The state does not raise children very well. You know, mm-hmm. families raise children. And so had it not been for our church at the time in Atlanta and our village of people, we would have not survived. Mm-hmm. And so if you're thinking about it, but you're not plugged into a church, you need to get plugged into a church um, because we had many friends who were not, um, they were not, you know, didn't have the calling to specifically foster, but they could make a meal for us. And I know people hear this all the time, but it's so true. Like my best friend in Georgia, like met, I met her husband at work and he had a laundry basket full of like plates and cups and sippy cups and snacks, like immediately blankets, like still to this day, my boy's favorite blankets are from my friend Jen who gave me blankets and, or people who came and like just watched the kids like while I went to the grocery store because I had by the time you know our youngest entered we had a two-year-old an 11-month-old and a newborn so taking a shower yeah we didn't really go to Target very much <laughs> and so like there are multiple ways practical ways that you can serve a family that's fostering um you know, or newly adopted, just like we want to take showers, and <laughs> but we want our kids to be safe <laughs> while doing that. So come clean. You heard it come here. Cook. Help people take showers. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> um, and then add a little bit more just about the community of believers and even like what the Bible kind of an acts to idea. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess you've already said that, but like any kind of spiritual application to what you're talking about. Well, I think like Acts 2 is like one of Dustin's favorite things to preach on and that we have it right here in my kitchen. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sear hearts. And there have been many people who've broken bread in our homes. And over that bread, there's been tears, there's been frustration, there's been heartache in our process. Um, But we just know like John 16, 33 has been probably a verse that has meant more to me in our foster care and adoption. You know, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but to take heart, he's overcome the world. And so if foster care is, is hard, it brings about trouble. It brings about a mix of emotions. And so it's so important to have that village of believers, particularly who trust in the sovereignty of God who, you know, I think I gave an interview with Bethany Christian Services where, like, we had to hold the kids loosely in our hands, you know, with an open palm instead of a clenched fist because 
ultimately, whether your kids are biological, foster, or adopted, they don't belong to us. You know, we're just caregivers of them temporary, temporarily. And so um, just holding them loosely, but, a, you know, a village of believers spurring us on biblically um, and just spiritually and telling me hard truth, you know, and learning to love birth families when they do things that hurt the children that you've continued, you know, have grown to love. Having believers say, hey, your job is to also love her and to treat her as Christ does. And that's hard, but he supplies that. Yeah. And then I feel like God's opened some doors for you over the years through teaching Bible study or being around, you know, I say like the typical person on a Sunday morning, all kind of our whole conversation is probably foreign (laughs) to them. So what are some ways that you would say somebody who might just be getting started or just kind of piquing their interest towards pursuing any of the things that we've been talking about? Well, I think it's so good for people who are pursuing to talk with people who've done it, but to be honest with those people, you know, like there's kind of like this joke where like you don't really want to tell people about foster care because if you're too honest, then they're not going to do it. <laughs> um, but I think it's important that we share the good, the bad and the ugly, uh, like just like anything in life, you know, but knowing that God is sufficient, there's good, bad and ugly in everything and that his grace is sufficient. But I think it's really important if you're thinking about it to have a practical, a real realistic viewpoint of it that kids who are in foster care it's not they're not coming from beautiful places like when kids are separated from their families it's because of heartache and so you have to be realistic like if you're if you're wanting to just adopt just to have children then foster care is probably not the place to start when, and really all adoption is going to have heartache in it. But I think asking real questions, I just encourage people to be real and honest. And Sarah Beth and I were talking about this before we start recording that I do think God's grace, like he kind of helps me forget about all the yuckiness that you go through. And so like, you don't want to bombard people with the negative because kind of when you're in the throes of it, it can be hard. But there's a lot of good and positives from it, too. And just God using people to, you know, to do what James, what he's asked us to do in James 1.27, to use our family to love on people. And that's foreign. And I think people are attracted to that. They're kind of like curious, probably think we're weird. And yes, ours ended with three boys in our home. Um, But, you know, it's a daily, a daily process, a daily walk with the Lord. It's definitely countercultural, even in the generation we grew up in. Your home was kind of your fortress and where you hid from the world, not where you flung the doors open and invited people in. And we're transracial, like our family's transracial mixed races. So that's definitely been, that's a lot more common now, even when we began. But, you know, again, another podcast for funny things and stares. Because we we joke that the boys have curly hair and I have curly hair. So I think people think Dustin just rescued me and, and three kids. And so, you know, um, it's definitely been counterculture. But God uses it to talk to the lady at the grocery store, you know, um, the person at Walgreens, you know, just he uses it to however he chooses. And it's been kind of neat and awkward at times, but good conversation. Yeah. Okay. And just one final question. Is there something that you would say to challenge and encourage people in the local church to get involved in some way with, with adoption and foster care? 
Yeah, I would say you need to do it. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) It's not really a question if we're all supposed to be involved. Like he tells us in scripture where to be involved. Um, But like I said earlier, it looks different for how others are involved. But, you know, um, I think that we just as believers need to spur one another on to do hard things. And these kids, these vulnerable children need believers to stand in the gap for them and do hard things for them. And, you know, dying to ourselves and dying to the American dream, which that could be a whole nother (laughs) podcast, but, and then just our day to day, you know, like we've kind of encountered struggles, like, you know, and my boys need someone to be there to help them through these struggles. And they need families to step up and say, we're willing to do the hard things with you and for you. Um, Because I can't help but think if we if we didn't stand up for our three, and this isn't a pat on the back, give us a gold star. But Dustin and I talk about often like where would, you know, what where would they be? And it, you know, who knows, maybe God would have given another family. Maybe they would still remain in foster care. I don't know if that wasn't the story, but I'm thankful that we stood up and did the hard and it is still hard. There are days that are hard with trauma and identity and there are hard things, but I think. And the boys are eight, nine and 10 now. And three Just, boys in of itself is hard because they're competitive and they're boys and my house is loud and messy at times. But um, I just think just challenging the church to do hard things for people to stand up to do the hard work. That's good. That is good. Well, thanks so much for coming. And I'm sure it sounds like we have like four or five other episodes we can uh, branch yeah. off of this one. Tap into this. <laughs> thanks for having me. Check out our show notes at 127worldwide.org forward slash simply 127 podcast. And tune in next time to learn how others tangibly live out James 127 every day. Mm